You're listening to the Empowering Lives Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Psychology at Help University, the University of Achievers. We'll be bringing you conversations with renowned psychologists and other health professionals that discuss a wide range of topics on mental health, psychology, and well-being. The Empowering Lives Podcast comes to you from the biggest psychology department in the whole of Malaysia. As we talk about the issues that matter to you most, stay tuned to this global podcast as we empower you to take away valuable insights and lessons that can improve your emotional health and well-being today. Hello and welcome to the Empowering Lives podcast, wherever you're listening from. My name is Sandy Clark, and today I'm joined by Usha Ponodurai who will be talking about how people cope and communicate in different ways according to their personalities and their nature. She's also going to be discussing what we can do to understand our differences in a way that helps us to connect better to each other. Usha is currently the chair of the counselling programme here at Help University and she is also a licensed counsellor and supervisor here in Malaysia. Um, so welcome to the show, Usha. How are you doing? Thank you very much, uh, Sandy. I'm I'm very chuffed to have been invited to be on the show. And I think uh, how I'm doing is going to relate directly to what we'll be talking about today with regards to learning about my own adaptability uh, curve uh, with regards to the whole unprecedented time we are living in. But thank you so much again for having me. My pleasure. And I would certainly agree that during this time, we're all probably getting some insights uh, into how we individually cope with uh, unexpected circumstances. But before we jump into that uh, main topic, can you just share some of your thoughts on what inspired you to become a counsellor in the first place? Well, I've really liked the idea of being of use in terms of helping people out. And I think my immediate sense of gratification comes from knowing that I've done all that I can within my capability Mm -hmm. to help someone else out. So I think it stems from that feeling of giving and having an immediate sense of whether or not I have been of some use at the end of the day to someone's life. That really is what uh, underlies my passion to stay on uh, in this field. And I think that really encapsulates why I still am after 12 years of practice. 12 years of practice. So that's that, that's a lot of experience um, over those years, I can imagine. And um, of course, at this time, we find ourselves in unprecedented uh, circumstances where a lot of people are reaching out for counselling services, for mental health support. And during the, the restricted movement period, people will have handled this time in different ways. And in this episode of Empowering Lives, hopefully we can discuss thoughts on some of the challenges faced by uh, introverts and extroverts during this time. Um, Of course, that's a generalization of people's personalities and there's different variations of those. But can you just share some of your um, insights or thoughts on some of those challenges uh, faced by both introverts and extroverts during this time? Yeah, I think it's fascinating how uh, people have essentially reacted uh, both in similarities and in differences when when dealing with this pandemic. And essentially, I think we are creatures of habit, you know. We 
try to recreate our routines. We try to recreate what we've essentially, well, quote unquote, lost. So mm -hmm. we have essentially lost a sense of our day to day meaning uh, that has been brought into our lives by dealing with a completely new simulation, you know, a mm -hmm. new set parameters to live in and we are all scrambling to recreate essentially what we have lost. Uh, but I think the fallout is coming from slowly realizing that this new version is only uh, holding a vague resemblance uh, to whatever we have left behind in trying to recreate. You know, everything is, is sort of like um, watching on a screen is like flattened and pressed to fit into the confines of um, electronic cyberspace. So the real life presence and felt sense is lost and we don't quite know how to, you know, sync that together with the immediacy of connection, but not really connecting. Yeah, it seems as though there's something missing that that sort of nuance uh, that's missing that we try to replicate when we are say um indoors and, and having to remain indoors most of our time and i think that um it's something that certainly uh, people who are used to socializing more often will find uh, slightly more challenging than those who do prefer to spend more time in solitude for example um just for our listeners who might not know how would you describe the general preferences of introverts and extroverts when it comes to feeling good, when it comes to thriving and getting the most out of their experience? What are the sort of general preferences from each of those groups? Well, the traditional idea uh, of understanding the, the definition of introversion and extroversion is that uh, extroverts, they are primarily perceived as people who are very much more socially outgoing, uh, very talkative, are very energetic uh, as a direct contrast to introverts, you know, who, are, uh, who may be more into solitary behavior, who may be more reserved, who may not really appreciate wanting to do more socially flavored activities. Uh, however, I think it's also need to be understood that it's not an either or condition or trait. It is rather more on a continuum. So it is more of a notch based rather than on off sort of either or uh, idea. Slowly, we need to also appreciate the fact that there are therefore degrees of introversion and extroversion. But basically, the idea is that uh, an extroverted person will have more needs to be um, stimulated than an introvert. Uh, because, you know, there is, I don't know if you've heard of this, but, you know, there is this idea is that introverts get drained easier when they are out and about compared to extroverts who need to get recharged by being out and about. And if we look more into it, you know, um, research seems to suggest that it is more, it's not so much about energy, but more about stimulatory levels. For example, uh, it sounds a bit contrary, but actually introverts have a higher level of being able to initiate arousal internally versus extroverts. You know, they have sort of a, a lower level of being able to initiate this by themselves. So they, they need more external stimulation and they have a higher bandwidth, therefore, you know, in order to receive 
this amount of stimulation. You know, so introverts, by, by, by contrast, will already have that head start because internally they've already started stimulating, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of they've already started processing, they've already started their systems. So they'll only need very little to be fully charged and then they get overwhelmed. Yeah, I can appreciate that. When when friends of mine had asked me how I was doing with the social distancing and restricted movement, um, I joked with them that I've been training for this all my life um, as an introvert. So, you know, I was I was handling it quite well. But I appreciate that, like you say, there's a spectrum of, of personalities between introverts and extroverts in terms of degrees. And just to to get your thoughts as well on any misconceptions that extroverts might have of introverts and vice versa, because there does seem to be an awful lot of um, simplification that goes on. For example, from my own experience, people might suggest that I don't like to socialize much, which is sort of true, but you know, sometimes it is quite nice to spend time with groups of people to go out to socialize. Um, but like you say, it takes a little bit more out of introverts, um, generally speaking. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that they don't need or, or want connection with others. It just means that they prefer that in a different way and, and to different extents uh, compared to some extroverts. Are there other misconceptions that um, you've perhaps come across uh, that extroverts might have of introverts and, and vice versa? So basically, that's a really good question with regards to how we tend to sometimes label ourselves very quickly and put ourselves in, you know, little drawers because that's the best way that we can process things. And when we do that, we tend to leave out the nuances of really understanding a person's personality. And, you know, introverts and extroverts, are they, they fall into the same sort of trap as well by not really understanding how is it that the other person really processes things? So I think for, you know, I'll go by each uh, each group. So the first one would be introverts. And I think the biggest misconception surrounding them is that people don't understand that being in big groups is exhausting, even if they don't speak up, you know, even if they don't do anything. Just mm-hmm. being with other people can be exhausting. So sometimes, you know, they might be uh, expected to only feel exhausted by participating or talking, but just by being with other people, it can be very exhausting, yeah? Now, the next one is to understand that just because you don't engage with people, it's not an insult, you know, Mm -hmm. the other person shouldn't take it personally. And sometimes really outgoing people don't realize this. That is something that people must not learn to take personally. And to know that being reserved is not shy. So just because you're reserved doesn't mean, like you said earlier, doesn't mean like you don't have a need for personal connection. It'll just take a while for someone who's an introvert to start talking to you. And boy, when they do start, they can really talk to you because... They've just taken the time to figure out who you are. And then they've realized, oh my God, we're on the same wavelength. And then they're off. So I think these are the sort of things that introverts have that they might be misunderstood for. Um, and for extroverts, I think one of the biggest ones, well, the ones that I've come across, is that they want people to understand that just because they're more talkative, doesn't mean they're more socially confident because the reality of why they are more talkative is because they need to hear themselves think. Their processing is outside of their internal world. 
and therefore they actually need brainstorming with others in an effort to understand how they think. This is comparatively different to introverts who need to sort of scuttle away and be there by themselves to sort of have a conversation with themselves mm -hmm. to process how they think. So sometimes introverts will view extroverts and think, oh my gosh, they seem so confident. Actually, no, they're just wanting to hear themselves figure things out. So it's almost like a tendency to or a preference to think out loud rather than um, a signal of, of confidence necessarily. Exactly. But because they do it so effortlessly, because they've done it as a habit, it comes across as confidence. Those are quite interesting points. And I think that it's certainly something that perhaps presents a barrier for understanding uh, between the two groups. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. And I think this just because you don't view my world as exactly how I'm experiencing it. And there's mm -hmm. actually a word for that, that that escapes my mind at the moment is there's a word where we recognize or we're coming to this awareness that another person's world is, is as completely complex and as different as yours is. I think it's called Sonder. So that awareness, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone, but I can give you a wee example. Uh, you know, how old were you when you realized, when you went over to your friend's house and thought to yourself, wait a minute, you mean people's families can have dinners watching TV? I thought no one can watch TV over dinner. You know, that sort of awareness that other people live lives completely differently from ours is something that sometimes we don't appreciate. We tend to think that, no, you must think exactly like me. You must feel exactly like me, which is why I think a lot of families these days are trying to um, cope with that expectation, uh, especially cooped up together right now. Yeah, that's an important point. I mean, I think for people who perhaps are uh, living alone and they're they're okay, or they're living with their partner and they're okay, you know, they, they might think that it's a fairly convenient um, way of living. But for some families who are together, uh, there's a lot of personalities there to manage and, and the dynamics to manage between the families as well. So that, that might prove a bit difficult for people to communicate in a way that they would, you know, the other person might appreciate. Yeah, for sure. It is it is a really challenging time for people. Where would you put yourself uh, in the scheme of things, um, in the sort of spectrum of introversion and extroversion? How have you been um, managing the additional demands of your role during this um, time of restricted movement while working from home? Has it been easy for you or has there been some challenges? Um, and if there's been any challenges, how have you managed them? I think I am an introvert by nature. Uh, mm -hmm. And I also think, uh, I remember having this conversation with you uh, quite uh, a while ago about how, ironically, while being in this period, I've never communicated with people even more. And that's very disorienting because I'm getting both a sense of being ultra-connected at the same time disconnected, you know, and that's very disorientating at the moment. Um, my usual habits going to work are lost, and I didn't think that that would be something that really impressed upon me. But, you know, small, small things like um, my daily routine, my daily structure, even small things like drinking water. I realize I'm at home now. I don't have my office water bottle. I'm not monitoring my water intake because I'm just at home. So I didn't realize that I had placed so much functionality in my daily routines that allowed me to be at my optimal level 
almost mm. consciously. And and was was that quite a difficult adjustment to make for you to go from those um, experiences at work that you perhaps weren't conscious of necessarily to then be more aware of those when you were working from home? I think it's just a matter of starting a new, you know, the usual teething issues with any mm. new uh, perspective because this is over a period of years since I've been working. So the sense of structure has been refined over the years of, you know, being in a job. Um, but working from home, I think uh, it is the whole grappling with the idea that individually and as collectively, society level and global level, how do I stagger my responses in order to make myself not feel so overwhelmed? That is very interesting to me uh, when I especially respond to my own anxiety levels, you know. Another thing, of course, is I'm having a, a disorienting sense of time. I don't know if everyone else gets it, whether there's no such thing as today is a particular day of the week or anything like that. There's only three three days which exist for me, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so which is, it, time seems to be speeding up and both seems to be long at the same time. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I think in the first three weeks, of this, um, you know, restricted movement period, I am. Um, I think I lost a day per week, so I I would be sending work messages on a Saturday, thinking it was a Friday, and then having to apologise because, you know, I, I kind of got mixed up with with the days because, like you say, when you're working from home, uh, the time tends to just disappear because you're not having those um, habits in place where you're travelling to work, you're travelling from work, um, and you have your little routines. Uh, in between as well. So when they disappear, uh, it seems a bit more difficult to keep track of time. Is that what it feels like for you? It feels exactly like that, which, you know, brings me back to my previous point about exactly how much responsibility we actually place on our idea of structure. And I think that's something that, that a lot of us do take for granted, that, that like you say, the small things that, that make the day um, normally, once they uh, disappear from our schedule, uh, they're very noticeable. And you had mentioned earlier about families living together and having to manage different personalities and communication styles. Um, what advice or tips would you give to people that could help them understand and also make room for those who engage with the world in a different way to them. We see this in families where you have maybe some introverts, extroverts, people in the middle, and they, they, they might try their bit to be on the best behavior for the first week or two, but then the, the cracks start to appear after a time. Um, how can we best connect with others who have a different way of being to us? I think first appreciating the fact that for a long time, um, modern society hasn't seen uh, living lifestyles like this and to appreciate that there will be teething issues and to have a sense of kindness and acceptance towards making mistakes mm -hmm. goes a long way because in terms of our current lifestyle, we'll at least have one member of the family working away from home. You know, whether the other person is working from home or staying at home and minding the children, um, there will be some time for the kids to be away from the house to play outside or play with the kids or go to school. Um, so there is always a little bit of time away from 
the, the, the nucleus component of being at home. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of patience, a little bit of kindness to know that we won't get it right or you know, straight off the bat, including people's reactions. So knowing that just because you've been on your best behavior for the first two weeks doesn't mean that, like you said, you won't crack after two weeks by saying, oh my God, I can't believe this. And to allow that, that's okay also because your feelings are legitimate uh, and to have those sort of pockets of allowances for each other, uh, I think that's crucial. Uh, the second point is to understand that we as different members, like you point out, not only have different personalities, we also have different working styles. We also have different ways we engage with others. We also have different points of uh, having reached enough stimulation, so we'll need a little uh, personal time away from each, each other. So it's good if we are able to have the luxury or the privilege of being able to carve away our own space. And I think that that's a very interesting point because there's, there's no distinction to that point when it comes to introverts or extroverts. I think that, you know, from conversations with people, uh, regardless of your personality, you do need some time to just you know spend by yourself in your little corner or your room uh, where, where you can sort of get some just time to yourself to reflect to recharge to have that alone time for sure for sure and i think you're right it is definitely another myth that uh, extroverts don't need uh, alone time or, or recharging time uh, they may need less intensity and less frequently but by no means they don't need it you know so It'll be great if we can all be mindful to have a little space just for ourselves uh, during this time when we can just be blessedly left alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for both children and adults to know that we need our space more than ever. And I think it's, it's often helpful as well. I mean, we have this advice sometimes that, you know, if there's an argument that arises or conflict or um, there's some kind of frustration that, you know, be mindful, be there, be present. But sometimes, depending on the personalities, that might be counterproductive sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's often helpful that when you are in a situation where there's a, a conflict or an argument, you can feel it bubbling and starting to boil over. Uh, if you can, it's always a good idea just to walk away and take some time out. Um, because then that will give you and the other person just some time to reflect and, and calm your emotions and just, you know, reconnect with yourself and just come back in a more sort of calm and, and thoughtful way rather than to try and stick with the situation. And if you're not quite sure how to deal with an argument or conflict in that moment, it doesn't matter how present you are. Um, the chances are it's not going to go well if, if, if you're not able to sort of get yourself out of the situation sometimes. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think now even more so because knowing that you can't physically get out in order to have that sort of uh, time away from the conflict to gain some better perspective. Mm. Uh, I think for on all parties to have this idea that is it important to win the argument right now versus is it going to be kinder to not escalate because everyone needs to really pull together right now. 
and that essentially means having peace at home right now in order to thrive because it shouldn't be like your first how you started out. It shouldn't be a survival thing. We should be thriving regardless of whatever is going on. That's mm -hmm. the life well led. I think it, it just helps as well to keep in mind that, you know, in the truest sense, if you're living with your family, then it is a case of we are all in it together. I mean, you're literally all in this situation together. So, so to have that kind of um, understanding with each other, even to say, look, if there's something that breaks out or if someone's not feeling too sociable or they need to have their own space just to make that allowance, because I think especially, let's say, from, from our perspective or from psychologists' perspective, maybe it's sometimes easy to forget that people aren't trained in mental health or psychology. So, you know, sometimes they don't realize what's going on or, or how to deal with it. So sometimes just removing yourself from the situation can be of help. And it's not it's not necessarily the case that it needs to be a big argument or a big conflict. It's just if you're feeling uncomfortable at any point, then you can just take yourself away and get that five or 10 minutes just to process what you're feeling and to try and have that sense of calm uh, start to sort of come over you. Exactly, and I think people usually just would appreciate a heads up. So even if you're not sure what's happening and you say, I just need a couple of minutes to myself, I will be right back. Usually that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. And people who are overwhelmed would definitely just to remember to say these two sentences. And usually if the other person is reasonable, is able to hear them, is able to give them the space. So what I think is really important right now is for people to understand that they just need to state a few words which gives the other person an idea of what they need right now, even if it means that the person who needs it does not know the answer. Mm -hmm. If they are able to say something like, I don't quite know the answer to this right now and I'm overwhelmed, I just need a few minutes, I will be back. And just that sense of communicating what is needed in words is usually enough for the other person if they're reasonable to allow them that space because they have the knowledge that the other person is coming back. That's um, a valuable insight with regard to realizing that the person is not trying to get away from you per se. If they need time alone, they're just in that situation themselves where they're not feeling quite right. So it's more about just themselves and, and trying to get themselves back into that that right space, that right frame of mind for them. Would, would, would you agree with that? Exactly, because it could just be that they are more uh, introverted on the scale than the other person and therefore they are completely overstimulated and they cannot process anything and they need to reduce the amount of stimulation in order for them to mentally unpack what's you know, currently on their load. So that would be one mm. of those things I think that people need to uh, be wary of if their partner uh, or if their family member and them are not on the safe wavelength. And I hope that that would be some points, especially just in your answer there, that people can take away and, and apply um, very practically to, to their situation, um, whatever that may be during this time. And, and just to wrap up the, the episode, Usha, um, do you have any further advice that you can share or any words of encouragement, especially for those who might be feeling like they should be doing things differently 
or um, they should be less or more sociable or outgoing. Um, you know, if they feel like I should be this way to accommodate this person or I should be this way to accommodate that situation. Do you have any uh, words of, of encouragement that you can share with those kind of people who might be feeling like they need to be something other than they are during this time? One of the things to be aware of is to understand that, you know, different people have different reactions to what's been going on. So I think as individuals, first and foremost, we need to be aware of what's going on within us that might have been changed due to uh, the, the restrictions that's been placed currently and to have that out either tangibly in writing or in conversation with our family members or partners uh, is a great sharing experience so that people can understand what is it that you're struggling with and vice versa. And another thing for, I think, people to consider is a lot of people are struggling with learning new things at the moment. And I saw something great online the other day, which offered very tangible advice that people can really use. Like, for example, on Twitter, you know, or on any social media, you know, people are posting up things like never used a video conferencing platform before. Let me know and I'll walk you through it. You know, something like that, because the older generation of people who are just not used to, you know, utilizing all these new technologies are struggling and they may not necessarily feel helped by the resources out there. And to know that someone is willing to talk them through it, to, you know, personally guide them through it may be really helpful because it's really tangible at the moment what they need advice. That's some great advice to, to to end the show on, and I think that just the key takeaway from me or for me in this is to essentially give yourself that room, that time and space to cope as best that you can in this situation, and that when it comes to communicating with others, you know, to give yourself that space to maybe make some mistakes or get it wrong sometimes, but also to provide other people with, with those same allowances. Um, so thank you very much for taking the time, Usha. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm glad to have shared what I've learned along the way with you and our listeners as well. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Lives. Be sure to check out all of our previous episodes from Series 1 and this series as well, which are all available on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Till next time, be well, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Empowering Lives podcast, brought to you by the Department of Psychology at HELP University, Malaysia, the University of Achievers. For more information about HELP University, visit www.help.edu.my and learn about our world-class programs and mental health services. Thank you for listening. And remember, together we can empower each other to build rich and meaningful lives driven by purpose, vision, and values.